And um, I've talked to the <clears throat> deacons this morning. Uh, I am going to be gone the next two Wednesdays. And I'll be back for Sunday, uh, next Sunday, but I will not be here this Wednesday or the following Wednesday. So our study on the uh, Mormons uh, is going to be put on hold till I get back. But I have a couple of uh, things that I've got to deal with. Uh, one of them a family matter, and one of them is a funeral for a lady that uh, passed away in our church down in Florida that I, is my home church. Um, and I need to be down there and, and do the funeral service. So uh, bear with us. Um, not sure yet who's going to be speaking. I'll have that lined up, uh, Lord willing, this afternoon. But uh, be faithful uh, during those two times, if you would. And um, then we'll pick up when I get back in town on the other uh, study that we've been doing. Lord willing, uh, next week we'll begin uh, doing a study on some things uh, with uh, regarding Christmas. And uh, excited about that and always a joy to talk about those things around this time of year. Psalm 51, we're going to be brief this afternoon. I was long-winded on the other one, so uh, I gave you, out of both barrels I had, I gave you one and a half barrels last service, so we'll only get the half barrel today on the other one. So uh, (laughs) it's all good, though, isn't it? I'll tell you what, uh, I love God's Word. It it is so insightful. Um, When we don't know... uh, you know, I, we're, we're men. Men have a hard time with reading instructions. You ever notice that? We call them manufacturer suggestions. We just look at the picture, see what it ought to look like, and try to make it match that. But, you know, when we finally get down to the point of humiliating ourselves and not getting it the way it's supposed to be, we look at the instructions that were written by the person who designed it, usually. And uh, when it comes to our lives, so oftentimes we try to just see what our life ought to be and try to wing it. And the truth is we ought to go to the one that designed us and find out what his instructions for living are. And uh, certainly is a much much easier, uh, less frustrating way to go. Uh, but for some reason, our human nature just tends to, to not do that. And uh, we're going to look at a subject today that um, I don't know it gets, that it gets dealt with uh, as often as it should. Um, I've, I preach a lot and teach a lot and have over the years on the matter of forgiveness and the idea that uh, whether someone that offended us uh, seeks for our forgiveness or not, we are still obligated by Scripture to offer forgiveness. Uh, I've heard people say, well, they've never asked for my forgiveness, so I'm not giving it to them. Uh, That's not a biblical perspective. Um, We ought to forgive regardless. Uh, I'm glad God did not wait for me to apologize to him or to come to him and ask for forgiveness before he was willing to extend his forgiveness to me. And uh, we ought to be the same. But a lot of times we deal with that side of it, being the one that uh, was offended. Uh, Today we're going to deal with the topic, what if we're the one who did the offending? Uh, How do we apologize biblically? Uh, And I don't know that we, we have this dealt with enough in our churches we, we tend to, to gravitate to the forgiveness side because that's the side we usually are having the biggest problems with. But I think just as important is when we find out that we have hurt someone. Now, sometimes that is on purpose. Sometimes we do it out of anger or frustration with them. Sometimes inadvertently we, we hurt someone. And there's a need for us to apologize to them. And I, I think that we have a great example 
given by David in Psalm 51. And um, this is shortly after David had sinned with Bathsheba, and certainly a grave sin, he, multiple sins. Not only had he committed adultery, uh, but had even committed murder in the uh, aspect of Uriah the Hittite being sent into battle. And David told the men to withdraw from him in the heat of battle, and so therefore basically uh, causing him to, to be killed. We look at this and we say, boy, this is a dark day for David. And he has done what we talked about in the last service. He has broken his fellowship with his God. And he comes to God and apologizes. And I believe we have a very biblical uh, process, if you will, that David has given us in Psalm 51 of how we're to go about apologizing, not just to our Savior and asking for his forgiveness for things, but also one to another. So let's take a look at that very quickly as we get to verse number 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. The multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgression. Uh, transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities." Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness." O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou desirest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Father, we pray that you bless the service and the message. I pray that you would give guidance and allow your Holy Spirit to lead and to direct that we would rightly divide and understand your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we live our lives to uh, abstain and refrain from hurting people and hurting you whenever possible. And Lord, if there are times when in, inadvertently or in moments of weakness we succumb to our natural tendencies, we end up hurting someone. I pray that you would help to guide us to make those things right. That we would follow the biblical pattern that, that David has here. It's, he comes to you and asks for your forgiveness. I pray that you would help us to understand these things, to apply them to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In looking at asking for forgiveness, years ago I came across a person that uh, whenever I did something that offended them or was something that they felt was hurtful to them and I found out about it, I would go to them and apologize to them and say, I'm sorry. 
And their comment to me invariably was this. You're only apologizing because you know I'm mad at you or because you know I've, I've hurt you or you've hurt me. And I thought, well, sure, why else would I apologize? Would I, would I apologize because I did something good or right? And uh, the truth was they were struggling with graciously receiving the apology, but they, they were cynical. And the reason that they were cynical is because many times apologies are just words, aren't they? Uh, a lot of times there's an insincerity in our apologies. We're not apologizing many times. A lot of times we don't apologize because we feel like we were wrong. We apologize because we got caught or because we feel like they need the apology. But uh, we have a human nature and a tendency to really not be as sincere perhaps as we should be in making things right with people that we have offended. David, no doubt, has offended God at this point. He has been a man after God's own heart, and it continues to be even after this. And I believe the difference in this and why God considers him a man after his own heart and still considers him a part of the lineage of the Christ is the fact that David's heart, even though he had failed in these areas, his heart was contrite. His heart had a a spirit of humility about it. And I believe that one of the things that we must get to when it comes to having a biblical uh, approach to apologizing to someone or making things right with someone that we have offended, is that we must first express remorse and regret, and it must be sincere. It must be something that not only are we upset that we got caught, but that we are truly upset that we have done something to be hurtful to the person that we have offended. Uh, David speaks of this in verses 2 and 3. I love in verse number 1, how David starts off, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God. But notice his, his, what he's beseeching God, what the basis for why he's beseeching God or what he's beseeching Him for. He says, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And David, in first of all seeking to apologize to God, he throws himself on the tender mercies of God. He understands that if forgiveness is to be given, it's only going to be given on God's side of things. And so he comes to God and he says, I'm not coming to you because I deserve this. I'm not coming to you and expecting you to forgive me because of my merit and how good I am. And there's a level of humility here as he throws himself at the mercy of the one he has offended. And he says, I want you to deal with me. I want you to deal bountifully with me in this area of mercy. I want you to deal with me out of your goodness, out of the goodness of your heart. Because the truth is, I have offended you. And there is a level of sincerity that David puts on this by not making this about himself. He makes it all about making it right with God. He comes to God and says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the tenderness of thy, uh, the multitude of thy tender mercies. And he says in verse number two, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You know, one of the hardest statements to make besides I'm sorry is the statement, I was wrong. A lot of us say, I'm sorry, but rarely do we say, I was wrong. There's got to be that level of sincerity. There's got to be a remorse. There's got to be a regret in the offense. Uh, Some people, and again, coming back to this idea, 
a lot of us have a hard time getting over this thing uh, of feeling that we were wrong in the matter. Well, they shouldn't be as sensitive as they are, you know, that kind of thing. Well, they, they just took it the wrong way. No, I, I offended them. I hurt them. And while they are responsible biblically to forgive me, on my side of things, I am also responsible to go to them and to make it right. The Bible says if I go to the altar and I know that my friend has ought against me, then I am to leave my gift at the altar and I'm to go and make it right with them. There is an obligation that we have on the offending side of things. And the first step, I believe, in a biblical approach to an apology is that there is a sincere and a humble regret and remorse for the hurt that we have brought to them. The second thing I think that we find here in verse number 3, and that is I believe that we must have a genuine taking of responsibility for the issue at hand. Have you ever heard a, uh, an apology that really kind of put the fault on the other person? If you listen to many of the politicians give an apology, they'll apologize, and before they're done with their apology, it's the other person's fault. And a lot of people do that. Uh, if we're not careful, we'll catch ourselves doing that. But can I tell you this? We live in a day and age where we've been trained and, and culture has uh, conformed us. Can I use that expression? It has pressured us. It has um, uh, molded us into this mindset of um, avoiding responsibility. Uh, somebody else is responsible for it. Maybe the person offended is responsible for it. So uh, the second thing we must do is we must take genuine responsibility. Look in verse number 3. David says, For I acknowledge my transgression. And David is so consumed by this idea that he is the one that is at fault. He makes this statement, For my sin is ever before me. Do you think today that there was ever a moment in David's life from this point forward that he did not think about the, the sin that he had committed to God? I, I'm certain that God forgave him, and I'm certain David was glad for that. But this was something that David took responsibility for, and the fact that his conscience was uh, of the sort that the Bible says that his sin was ever before him. By the way, our failures, our sin that we commit against God, they are certainly things we ought to come and, and get right with God and, and restore that fellowship and relationship from God. But can I tell you this? I don't think we ought to soon forget them. Because they serve as warnings and milestones for our conduct in the future. David's of the mindset in verse number 3 that this sin is not something that's going to soon leave him. Not only has he taken responsibility for it, but he said, Lord, I'm going to remember this. This is not going to happen again. You can rest assured my sin is ever before me. And I know that he's grateful for God's forgiveness, as you and I are grateful for God's forgiveness. But I don't think we ought to ever forget those things that, that from the standpoint. Now, I don't think that we ought to let them drag us down in serving God. And that's what Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. But when it comes to our future conduct, I think we ought to always remember these things. Remember the failures that we've had and use them as stepping stones and blocks that we can build off of and say, I will never do that one again. That will never be my fault again. I'm not going to offend anyone else in that manner ever again. It's amazing to me how many times in my life 
that I've done something wrong, I've realized it, I've made it right, and then I did it wrong again. You ever been there? Been there. It's like, it's like how hard-headed am I? And I find myself going back through the same cycle again, realizing I was wrong, making it right. We've got to learn from these things. So we need to have remorse and regret. Number two, we need to take full and genuine responsibility. Those are pretty much uh, standard. That's about where we consider apologies to be. There's two more steps that I think many times we fail in in the area of our apologies. Number three, there needs to be a reconciliation. This is the area that I fear many times our apologies do not go far enough. There needs to be a getting things right again with God. Look with me in verse number 11. Let's back up verse number 10 for a moment. David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew. In order for something to be renewed, it has to be new first. Right? So this is something that David had, a new spirit that God had given to him. He had allowed it to fall into disrepair, into, into discontent, and to a separation from God. And he's saying, Lord, I need it renewed again. I need it to be made alive again. So in verse number uh, 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He goes to God and he says, Lord, not only am I regretful for what I've done, it was my fault. I'll raise my hand and admit it. And God, I want it to be right between us again. I don't know how many times people have apologized, said, I'm sorry, it was my fault, and then they never speak to that person again. There's still some level of resentment, either on the forgiving side or on the apology side, and there's never any reconciliation. Can I tell you this? I shared with you a little bit ago about how my dad would punish me. I am so thankful that when that punishment was over, it was my dad again. I'm thankful I was his son again. I'm thankful there was that reconciliation. Why is it that when it comes to family, we're willing to do that? Maybe even when it comes to God, we're willing to do that. But when we have offended someone, for the rest of our days, there seems to be a division there. Even though the apology has been made, even though forgiveness has been expressed, there seems to be a wedge. And can I tell you this, that there, in order for there to be a biblical apology and a biblical forgiveness, I believe there's got to be a reconciliation. There's got to be, on the, on the offending side of things, there's got to be a humility of spirit to come to them and say, I want us to get back to the way we were. I know I've broken your trust. I know I've hurt you. And I would do nothing. I would never want to in this world ever again hurt you. I just want things to be back the way they were. I want us to have the right kind of relationship again. And to restore and to reconcile that thing. Now notice he says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Notice he says in verse 11, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. How often do we see that happen? When someone has offended someone, or someone has been on the offending side, offended side of things, that that division never brings their hearts back together. I'm going to tell you this. If we're all saved, we're all going to heaven. We're going to have to spend eternity with each other. I'll tell you this, life is too short and eternity is too long for there not to be reconciliation between us. There needs to be some type of, of coming back together and saying, you know what, I forgive you, my brother, and I'm sorry. 
Let's get things back to where they were. This is an area I feel that biblically we, we fail in in our apologies. We don't take that extra step. We don't reach out to make it right. There have been times in pastoring that... Uh, i got to be careful how far I can go with this illustration. Uh, just about a month into pastoring, when my dad passed away and I became pastor, I found out about a situation in our church where... A couple was having an affair. Both of them were working for the church at the time. One was a teacher and one was a janitor. And they were having an affair with each other. I had to go to them as the pastor and I had to say, you're not, you're not working for us anymore. We can't, we, we, we can't have this going on and, and we can't have you work for us. And one of the hardest things I ever had to do, sit down. Both of them, dear friends of mine. We went through the meetings uh, I had the meeting with her and the, the lady and her husband and then had the meeting with the man who was having the affair with her. Each of them, I, I spoke to each of them individually. After both of them dealing with them from the employer side of things, I said, okay, let's set that aside. That's done. That's dealt with. I said, now I'm your pastor. I said, what can I do to help you? It's the extra step you have to take. We were able to see those people restored. To this day, they're still in our church. Interesting note, the man who had the affair with the man's wife ended up being very good friends with her husband. They ended up working together. You say, Brother Greg, how does that happen by the grace of God? Because we took the extra step of not just forgiveness and apology, but reconciliation. You say, Brother, that, that can't happen. Yes, it can. And it needs to happen. I believe it's what God expects to happen. If any of us have a fault one with another, the Bible says, Ye which are spiritual, cast them out. It says, Ye which are spiritual, what? Restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness. There's got to be humility there. And I feel like one of the problems with our apologizing many times is that we are sorry. We have a remorse. I feel like most of the time in Christian circles we take responsibility. The problem I fear that we miss most of the time is the reconciliation. The last one I'm going to give you is something that is not done in word. All three of these things are things that... We deal with by talking about them. The third one is only being able to be accomplished by our actions. And that is an act of repentance. Repentance is nothing more than turning from one direction and going the other direction. It's not something you can say. Words are cheap. You ever hear that? Or actions speak louder than words. You ever hear that one? Uh, You tell somebody you're sorry. Well, actions speak louder than words. Okay, then I'll prove it to you. I'm going to show a repentant attitude. I'm going to show not just by my words, but by my life. Look with me in verse number 13. Notice that as David, let's look at verse 12 and then we'll move into verse 13. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Notice he says this, then will I what? Teach transgressors thy ways. Wait a minute, David. You just committed adultery with Bathsheba. 
You just murdered Uriah the Hittite. You're going to go out here and teach transgressors the ways of God? Yes. Because I'm turning from that to this. I'm going to turn from a life of sin to a life of following God. He says, I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Look at verse number 14. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall what? Sing aloud of thy righteousness. These are his actions. These are the things he's going to do. Verse number 15. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, wilt thou not despise. There needs to be a repentance. Don't keep going the same direction we were going when we offended that person. Change our conduct. Years ago, I, I, I don't know about you all, I, I'm thankful that we're called Christians, aren't you? I, I think Christian is a, a title that we get misconstrued sometimes. We use it generally for people that are saved. But the truth is, you can be saved and not be a Christian. Because the truth of the matter is, a Christian means like Christ or little Christ. Years ago, when Alexander the Great was conquering the known world at the time, in the armies that he had, they were very tough men and, and expected to have absolute loyalty to the cause. If there were any deserters, it was punishable by death. In one particularly heated battle, there were several men that deserted in the heat of the battle. They were caught and brought before the leaders of the army of Alexander the Great. It just happened on that day that Alexander the Great was in the camp. And before the young men were sentenced to death, Alexander the Great went from one to the other. And he asked them a question or two. Usually he would ask them why they deserted, what was going on in their life, and uh, asked them their names. And he came to one young man and he said, Young man, what's your name? And the young man said, Alexander, sir. And Alexander the Great said, Then change your name or change your conduct. We have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are not in the same spirit of His with regards to our offending of people, in the area of forgiveness, in the area of apologizing, in the area of repenting of things and turning towards things, then my friend, I think we either need to change our name or we need to change our conduct. And I say that as kindly as we can but we live in a day where I feel like this is one of the great causes of strife among God's people. People get their feelings hurt for such small things, it seems, anymore. But they're hurt. And as much as they need to forgive, we need to apologize. We need to get things right. And so I hope these will be some helps to you. David went through the process, obviously, with God. And was something that was needful. Can I tell you this? It wasn't needful for God. He had already forgiven David, hadn't he? But it was certainly needful for David. And can I tell you that there may be times that people will forgive us. 
whether we've asked for an apology or not, or offered an apology or not. The apology is not for their sake. The apology is for your sake. To help your heart be right. To help your heart be sensitive. So I hope that will be a help to you. It's a little different look. Not from the forgiveness side, but from the apology side. I hope that will be a help to you. All right, let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word, how it instructs us and guides us.